0: In the following live session recording, Barry Thompson, pastor of prayer, care, and adult 65 and above for Midway Church in Villa Rica, Georgia, talks about raising leaders. Leadership is knowing what needs to be done and knowing how to gather and inspire the people needed to accomplish the goal. In this session, the listener will look at key questions to ponder as a leader and questions to develop leaders. Wise leaders ask questions before stating directions. Let's join Barry now.
1: This is uh, raising up leaders. Is that right? Yeah. What y'all came to? Okay. Got a little confused because uh, I'm doing four different topics, and it got a little confusing with me this afternoon. With something they posted versus what they had sent me i just want to make sure i put them in the right order for what you're looking for because uh, if, if you came not hear something else i need to change my notes out over here uh to go with i am thrilled that you're here i'm going to stand as much as i can but i'm going to sit some on my stool because i am a uh, knee replacement guy uh coming so uh i got a. you got one what you need Right knee. Why is the right knee all there? Everybody's I don't know. It's, I don't know, but <laughs> I, I, I know this: I no longer take a knee and kneel and pray unless somebody's there to get me up, because <laughs> I can't get back up anymore. Uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to uh, to that. Okay. Uh, I didn't get to meet you, when you came in Kim Curtis? Curtis. Where are you from? Yes.
0: Curtis from or uh, City. Church.
1: Either one. I'm Brian Nelson Okay. In all right. I'm Ken same place all right all right i think i met anybody else man came in the door uh so i like for i like to know names of people uh-huh. and uh uh feel free to ask questions anytime if you need to go to the bathroom it's on the other side of this wall uh it won't bother me get up come back uh, that's that's fine i want you to be comfortable but if you have questions we go uh, let me know when they give you these sessions for an hour and 50 minutes you've got more material that because they you know they they suggested topics. And then I have to come up with a description of it, and then I have to come up with what I'm going to do. And I've got more than we should cover, so
0: we won't do it all.
1: But we're going to do what God guides us through this. Okay. Keywords, and you can write this down somewhere, but not, don't write it down to the right of leadership, because in a moment we're going to do this leadership skill thing where you're going to write. So don't write on that. Write this on the back if you'd like, or uh, at the people's feet. If you want to lead people... There's four key things you need to do. And for some reason in the Christian church, we don't do these well. We need, you write this down. Before I tell, write that down. Before I tell, dash, ask. Mm-hmm. If you want to lead, ask. Find out where they are. Before I tell, ask. The second one is, after I ask, dash, listen. We as leaders are so bad, you know, we work a crowd, we're asking, you know, hey, how you doing? How you doing? Hey, how you doing? We're not paying attention to what anybody said. Okay, that is not good leadership. We're not role modeling leadership. How many of you are on church staff? Okay, the rest of you are like leg leaders. Awesome. Those of you on church staff probably have to deal with this a lot. You're talking with someone, and Bob and I are engaged, in a conversation in the hallway, just walk, married, <clears throat> uh, you know you get a lot of trouble with things like that man, you know. <laughs> and uh, like I walked to the restroom while they're going and saw an old friend that said, "Dave, I saw you earlier but I couldn't grab you. And I thought, this is not the room to say that in. In <laughs> the bathroom, you know, I could hear snickering under the, snot, the stalls. <laughs> okay, you have to watch what you say anymore. Uh, but, we're church Sunday, we're talking and we're having a conversation and Mike here comes up, he wants to talk to me, and he just kind of moves in. Because he's got something to tell me. Okay? And yet I'm trying to engage with you. And he's got something he wants to tell me. Usually like there's no toilet of paper in the men's room or something like that. You know, something really earth-shattering. That's what people tend to do that to you. You know, or to tell you somebody's going to the hospital that week is if you're going to remember it after the service they haven't written it out. Do you ever have those kind of experiences? Yeah. Here's the key with that. Say Ken and I are talking. And he's got something to say to me, I'm putting a hand on Ken's shoulder. Mm-hmm. And I'm not letting go. Because what this says to anybody else, even though Gene may want to come in, your mind says, "Oh, I better not interrupt. He's, he's connected with Ken. Mm-hmm. And they won't. But if you're not talking, they, then they can just bust in. But as long as you've got your hand on the shoulder,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it, it kind of says, leave me alone, leave me alone, leave me alone. And you get to focus on the person you're talking to. And you make eye contact. Mm-hmm. You want to be a good leader you want to raise up other leaders you show people how they are important you're looking at them because you can only lead shepherding one person at a time okay you can proclaim and teach for our group, but you can only shepherd one last thing of sheep the uh, shepherd no 23 he, he anoints my head with oil Well, they didn't have spray guns, they weren't just shooting the whole flock. But the shepherd would take every sheep who knew his voice, they would come up, take their turn. You're looking at their head, and now with all Why? Sheep have these heavy wool coats. Most tender and vulnerable place for sheep is its face. Scratches, briars, anything like that. Get scratched, bugs start getting in. Infection comes in you get an infection get a sick sheep it'll wipe out the whole flock so the shepherd looks at every sheep he anoints with oil that was not a spiritual experience that was disinfectant like I'm baptizing you with vaccine or something I mean no he's trying to protect the health of the sheep and he had to do one at a time because he had to look where the scratches were around the nose and the eyes and the ears that's what we're to do if we want to raise up leaders we've got to show that kind of care people and in a crowd uh, I saw it upstairs I was seeing an old buddy from college and we're starting here comes two people and I just reached up and took Steve victory's arm and both of them kind of you no, know, because they knew I was talking with Steve I hadn't seen Steve in a while and I knew he had gone he's got a son that's a missionary and he'd gone overseas and He got those stem cell injections for a third of what they cost here. (laughs) And I wanted to hear about that, but I wanted to hear how Steve was doing with his back. But as I could see these other people coming, as soon as my hand went on Steve's arm, they just turned and went the other way. Otherwise, both of them were going to interrupt. Meaning, nothing bad. They want to connect too. But you can only connect one at a time. So you show concern for people. You show concern. So, what am I doing? So the first thing is before I tell ask, after I ask listen, listen to what the people say. Don't ask how are you if you don't want to hear. Don't, you, don't let that be a part of your voice, how you doing? Uh, no. Don't do that. You can say good to see you, which means I see you but I don't really care and I'm moving on. <laughs>
0: okay.
1: Don't ask a question. No. Uh, it's in our culture to say well how you doing? Here's my pat answer. When someone says, Barry, how you doing? Well, I'm sober. Mm-hmm. And it stops them in their what It means I'm ahead of 55 million alcoholics in America. Now so we engage in conversation. <laughs> but I don't want someone to just ask how I am and ignore me. So I'm sober. I kind of expect a minister in a Baptist church to be sober. But it, it stops what's going on. And they, can, they engage with me. You come up with whatever yours is. But when people, if you ask someone how they're doing it, listen. They may say, well, it's kind of tough. You know, mama's dying of cancer. Or, you know, a husband lost his job. But if you don't make eye contact with them,
0: they're just gonna give
1: you, "I'm fine. And they don't mean it. Show you care. If you want to raise leaders up, you be a leader that shows personal care. It will multiply. When I went to Midway church three years ago, the pastor, I've been there about a year, and the pastor said, Barry, you've, you've brought in a whole new element to our church. you stop wherever you are in the hallway. You and Kay, my wife, were, were very extroverted people, if you can pick that up. And he said, y'all just pray with people. He said, I see both of you all the time putting your hand on someone's arm shoulder, and you just bow and you pray. He said, because if someone tells me a prayer request, I'm not going to lie and say, oh, really, I'll pray for you, because I probably won't, if I don't lock it into my head. I lock it into my head by taking their arm or shoulder and praying with them right then. It sticks in my mind then. I can continue to pray for them. But what it does to people, oh, it just says, Pastor Barry thinks I'm important. He took the time to pray for me and my mama or my grandchild. It doesn't matter the music started. It really doesn't matter. That choir can sing without you. You can just pray. Just pray. Okay? Wherever it is. Uh, Now, I try to train myself not to do it in the bathroom because it kind of freaks people out. (laughs) But but it's such a part of me, I was going to say, I'll just start praying with somebody in the bathroom. Okay, that's kind of weird. I probably don't need to do that. I need to get out out in the hallway. But it's just a part of who I am. So I've had to train myself to think, okay, there's a proper place to do this, and a proper place not in the bathroom is probably not it. Um, But to me, that wasn't a barrier I was seeing. Okay, I had to begin to think, this is kind of, weird. and you can tell, because when you put your hand on someone's shoulder and back and start praying, they open <laughs> up, <laughs> and I went, okay, this, this is not comfortable. So you make whatever you need to do, but just show that you care. So before I tell, ask, after I ask, listen to what they're saying. And it takes discipline to do that as a leader, because your mind's on where you're going. You've got to train yourself to say, I, I, this person is who God brought in front of me. James Kennedy used to call those divine appointments when he wrote Evangelism Explosion. And he passed through the great Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church. But he would stop anywhere and pray with someone with a need or talk to them about Jesus, ask his two you know, questions. If you were to die tonight, do you know where you would go? He disciplined himself to do that and built a great Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church. Presbyterians are not supposed to be evangelistic. You realize that that's not their tradition. But Corridge Presbyterian baptized more than most Baptist churches have ever touched. And he didn't do it without outstanding preaching, if you've ever heard Dr. Kennedy. Well, I'm glad that you're here. You know, it's that way of speaking. But he made people very important. And he role-malled it for that congregation. So after I asked listen, then, while I listen, look. While I listen, look. Look him in the eye. That shows you give them value. Jesus, walking through the crowd, realized someone touched him with faith. And he said, Who touched me? Now mm-hmm. yeah, Jesus was Jesus. He knew who touched him. But he called everybody sound, Who touched me? He turns to the woman. And talks about by her faith. It was a teaching moment for others to realize he as a leader was so sensitive to this person's faith that if she could just touch his garment, she would be healed. He called it to everybody's attention. Sensitive. Jesus and the disciples that are stopping a the well, they got something to drink. He sees a Samaritan woman. Oh, Samaritan woman, one gonna go up to a bunch of guys, Jewish guys. Mm-mm. Just afraid. I'm gonna do that. So she stood off. Jesus knew she would never, she'd starve but dry, die of thirst before she ever walked down to that well with those men there. So he sends them on. Y'all go on to the next town. Prepare. I'll be there. And he just sits. Well, when she realizes there's this one guy sitting, she's like, well, i got to get this water. i got to get back to my family. Now I need the water. Maybe it's safe. He's sitting down. And so she comes up and he engages her. Mm-hmm. Oh, she was healed. And I mean, saved and God restored, and then she ran and told other people. She witnessed to more people than the twelve disciples had witnessed to that day. They were the church leaders, but Jesus made her a priority. He asked what who she was, what she was doing. He listened. He looked at her. Then he actually confronted. He, he said, No, you're you've had more than one husband. But he did it in a way of connecting. Now if he had just said, Hey, Harlot, she would have run, but he first engaged her, talked to her, let her know it was safe, and then he could f- confront the sin. So you, before I tell, ask, after I ask, listen, while I listen, look, and then always show that I care. Always. There's never an exception to showing you care. Never. I don't care what the deacons are waiting on me to do or the choir practice is getting ready for you to do. Always show you care when God brings you the opportunity. And you really want to impress. You You want to reach young families? You learn to bend down and get on eyeball level with a child. Family comes into church, whether you're the pastor or staff member or just a lay leader, and you get down to make eye contact. I used to go to a knee, but I can't do that now without somebody helping me up. But I'm going to bend down and I'm going to get in the eye. So that child, hey, my name's Mr. Barry. It rhymes with Harry. They laugh. I connect with that child. What do you think that mom and dad are doing? He felt my child was important. He made my child feel special. Couples like that, single moms adore that. They're going to listen to everything you say around them from, for a while because you've shown them that their child, who they're trying to raise by themselves, is important. Always show you care. And if you pick up, when someone responds to you, that little quiver in their voice. Realize that person is hurting, hurting badly. They need something. They need a hug. They need a smile. They need a, you know, hey, if you want to talk, give me a call this week. I'll be in the office. or You want to meet me after the service? We can talk further. That shows you care. Those are the essentials of this class. You practice those things, and go home right now and get home early. Because that will make you a leader who raises up leaders. But I'm not through, i got some more stuff. Okay, now take the yellow sheet that you have, when it talks about characteristics of, and you see the acrostic there of leadership. I have some answers, but they're mine. Let's come up with a team group. Let's look at love. So every word there has to start with an L. I said love because it's L, but my first word was love. I got ahead of myself. What words would you come up with that you could put in there as a characteristic of leadership starting with the letter L? Lead. Lead. Very good. Listen. Listen. Look. No, I love. Love. Look. Action. Mm-hmm. Loyal. Loyal. Learner. You want to be a leader, you better learn. I'm a far better leader at 66 than I was at 26. Because I've learned to lead better, to love more, to listen more. Let's go to E. What are some characteristics of leadership that begin with the letter E? Ethical. Ethical. Gotta be. Encourage. That's a cha- challenge in this culture right now, isn't it? <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> what was the other one? Encourage. 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 Enthusiasm. Endure. Endure. Another one?
0: Earnest. Earnest. I think empower.
1: Empower good empathy Mm -hmm. our culture's not showing a lot of empathy, Mm -hmm. everybody's drawing sides, I like this, I like that it breaks breaks my heart it's hard to be a leader of people when they're all divided (coughs) so you've got to set the model for that church A attitude attitude Available. Available. What else? Accountable. Accountable. Approachable.
0: Approachable. Ability. You have,
1: to have some ability. I would say abilities. The abilities. How about attendance? Leave, you're never around your people. D. Do those first four things I said? You got to discipline yourself to train yourself to do those things.
0: Decisive.
1: Decisive. Discernment. How about, yeah? ma'am? Discernment. Discernment. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it's a great one. Discernment means you know where people are hurting and what they need. It may not be the book you read last week that you think is really good. That may not be what they need to hear. They need to just may just be hurting and they need to know that you care and you may be trying to lead people to be leaders in your church and they're trying to figure out how to be a spiritual leader at home hard to be a leader at church if you're not a leader at home mm-hmm. Yeah, I just read a great book in June it's called Grandparenting Matters that's a scary statistic there were only two books written on a Christian perspective on grandparents from 1990 to 2005. I went, what? There were grandparenting books, but not from a spiritual perspective. Only two. And an organization was started in 2005 called Legacy Coalition. Legacy Coalition. I just learned about it in the spring. They produce nothing except materials for grandparents, Christian grandparents. And their book Grandparenting Matters has to do with how do you come alongside your Christian children and be a cheerleader? as a spiritual influence. What do you do when your children are not spiritual influencers? Mm-hmm. How do you make a spiritual influence in your kid without alienating your own kids? How do you deal with it when your children are far away? Mm-hmm. How yeah. do you deal with it when your child
0: dies before the
1: kid's grown up? Yep. What do you do? I stepped. In. Yeah. yeah child's in jail, mm-hmm. child's in drugs. Oh, Raising now. them now. This this book is it's mm-hmm. it's geared for that. How do you deal with your children, grandchildren who live far away? It, it is marvelous. I read it on vacation uh, this summer with all of our family. I walked up from the beach one day and Kay said, did you finish your book? I said, yeah, she's always there. I said, we're selling our house. We're moving to Gwinnett County. I'm gonna move on Carmen Street because my grandson lives with his mama. <laughs> I, was, I was ready to move. I said, well, no, I can't do that, but it really but they, I mean, I'm 66, I only got a two-year-old grandson, so I, I'm kind of later in the world to get into this grandparenting role. But it has changed how much I think about so many things. And this Legacy Coalition's got a lot of different stuff. Some great I, I'm teaching a class right now, 10 weeks, using some of their material on uh, uh, grandparenting matters. And a lot of grandparents are really concerned about their grandchildren. And we need to show that we care for that. Okay, uh, how about R? Oh, wait a minute. Did we, we, we E, excuse me, E? What are some characteristics that begin with E? We had, we,
0: have, well, we, had, we had an E already. Oh, we
1: did? Yeah. We got another E there. You got another E,
0: yeah. Ditto to all the ones up there.
1: Okay. Well, I'd put down eager.
0: Eager? Oh, that's another one. Yeah. Evolving?
1: Evolving? An encourager. Hell
0: yeah.
1: Okay. R. Let's go to R. Relational. Relational.
0: Reliable.
1: Reliable. Relevant. Relevant. Real. Real. Responsible. Resources. I mean, you're the person the leading that can take others to something. Had any of y'all ever heard of the Legacy Coalition or Grandparenting Matters till I said it three minutes ago? Uh-huh. I hadn't heard about it until May.
0: It's
1: been around since 2005 when they started it. Now, wow. You go online, they got all these resources from a strong Christian perspective. So a leader takes resources to people. Right? How about S. Spiritual? Spiritual. Servant. Servant. Anything else?
0: Sociable. Sociable. Mm -hmm.
1: Sincere. Sincere? How about, huh? Sound. Sound? Sound, yes. Sound. Let's move down to H. Humble. Humble.
0: Hospitable. Hospitable. You want
1: to be helpful. Hospitable. Helpful. Helpful. How about Happy. If you're angry,
0: hey.
1: people don't want to follow you.
0: Honest.
1: Honest. Oh, yeah. Humble. Humble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. How about I?
0: Integrity.
1: Integrity. Intuitive, that's a good one. Influenzable. Influenzable. Is that influence more influential? influential? Yeah. Oh in, uh, influence. Impactful? Intrepid. Yep. In trouble, okay. 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 How about uh P. Personable. Personable. Good. What other words? Polite. Polite. Passion. Passion. Mm -hmm.
0: Positive.
1: Positive. If you're gonna leave, be on time. Mm-hmm. No. If you gonna, if you tell somebody, I'm gonna call you this week. You better call. Are they saying you don't care? No, that doesn't matter to them. Through a week was busy, because they don't know. I mean, last Tuesday night of last week. No, not not this week. The week before. I got a call. I'm driving home about 6 o'clock. This guy, Kenny, I've been working with him. His mom's been in poor health. He's crying. Barry, mama died. I said, Kenny, I'm so sorry. We talked about He said, can you do a funeral Saturday? I went, no, I can't. But she loved you, Barry. I said, I know. But I'm burying my own mama. Mm-hmm. Persuasive
0: was another one.
1: Yeah. If so have to what you can do, what you can't do. You can persuade people. But if you promise you're going to do something, then do it. If you can't tell people up front, I told Kenny, I can't bury your mom Saturday because I'm burying my mom Saturday. He knew my mom had been dealing with Alzheimer's, but he did not know she had died. Huh? I buried her last Saturday and she died on Monday. So if I'm a little tender here, uh, Alzheimer's is an evil, evil disease we fought it for four years the last year and a half rough and since January she didn't know who I was. So I'd, she hasn't spoken since April but in January February March I say you know my name she'd look a little embarrassed and smile she you shouldn't should know me but then she'd say you pay my bills I say yes I do gave her peace of mind I pay her bills but she couldn't remember my name Alzheimer's is an evil thing. It's got to be turned. It is. We're hosting a seminar on October 3rd entitled uh, Positive Approach to Dementia. Mm -hmm. Last year we hosted one about uh, dealing with the dementia journey. Had over 300 people. We're expecting 500 this year. Uh, It's a Thursday. If you want to come, it's 10 bucks and that includes the Jake a lunch uh, if you're willing to drive over to West Georgia. But the lady that leads it, Dr. T.P. Snow, most outstanding. When the Alzheimer's Council asked if I would host it, and they said, well, it's registration at 8, and conference 8.30 to 4. I went, you want me to listen to one person from 8.30 to 4? I'm going, I can't do that. My mind won't stay with it. was the most energetic woman I've ever been in my life. The day flew by, and I learned so much. There's a room full of professional healthcare givers and family healthcare givers. It's 14 million people with Alzheimer's in America today. It's 14 million families impacted and Alzheimer's tends to take them for months and years and it's devastating to a family. Leaders show they care. In my church, mm-hmm. the leaders for the last few months that have come alongside me to encourage you knowing what I was walking through with my mom. Are they reached out when mom died? And my son, who talked to me in June, knowing she was, was coming, said, Dad, are you going to do the funeral? Because I've done all the funerals for all my family. Which is strange, because I'm now the oldest relative in my family. All the aunts and uncles are gone. <laughs> makes me feel very old. Uh, and I realize there's nobody living that knows my stories of what I was like as a preschooler or knows what my first day at school was like or my first birthday party. There's no one alive that knows those anymore. That's a strange feeling. And the people that have led me, because I'm the pastor of care and prayer, but the people that have led me during this time and ministered to me are treasures with text or phone calls. And it wasn't quick. It's been a year and a half of hard stuff. All last fall, she would pray. She would be with her. Bring me my pistol. Give me a drug overdose. Hit me in the head with a hammer. That, That wears on you. And the people that would lead me at that time, I'll do anything for her. You want to lead, lead people when they're hurting. I heard a pastor years ago, Marion Beaver. He served churches till he was 93. And Marion told me once as a young man, he said, your sermon on Sunday may be a C-level sermon because you didn't spend enough time preparing it. But that young couple you visited in the hospital with a sick baby they'll eat up every word you say that may be the reason some of the sermons he felt were more sea level because he was a pastor in superb ways but the lesson's true you want to lead love be there for them technology is a great tool a friend of mine called me upstairs and said, Boy, Barry, I finally got on Facebook. We went to college together. I said, Well, great. You're late. i got been on it 10 years. He said, Well, no, I'm just finding out. People will post on Facebook they're going in the hospital and having an operation before they call the church. I said, Yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. I bet I glean over half my hospital knowledge from Facebook every morning. And then I'm able to make phone calls. And because they're so social media over it, they're thrilled with a text. Me. It has greatly enhanced shepherding you're leading because you're using the tools. You're just letting them know you care. Mm-hmm. We had a couple, I had a baby this morning. He sent me a text about 9 o'clock. We're so excited. She's here. Picture of the baby. Yes. <laughs> text back. Well, that's great. Why'd you name her? <laughs> he was so excited to the picture. He hadn't thought about the, uh, telling us the name yet. And then he said, can you come by today? I went, no, I'm, I'm leading a conference. But just thanks for your text and all your prayers. Pastor Barry, I love you. Now, in his mind, I was there. And he let me know. He told his mom and dad. He told her mom and dad. And then he told me. Why? I've been walking through this time with them in their pregnancy. Same at church. Pray with them. Stop. Touch them. Okay. Look at the bottom box. Strengths. Now it's going, we're going to get personal. My personal strengths as a leader probably are no one's going to read your paper. I'm not going to take it i'm great I I, I I do not have my new orleans seminary professor hat on right now uh this is strictly yours my personal excuse me personal strengths as a leader possibly are write them down and then weaknesses my personal weak areas as a leader probably are and be honest god knows what you're thinking and you're the only one who wants to see the paper but i want you to write it down for your own accountability Okay, anybody want to share? I'm not going to make you. But leadership's giving people the opportunity. Who? Anybody want to share a strength? Yeah,
0: okay. I'm naturally an administrator, mm-hmm. so that comes easily. Um, <clears throat> being able to cast vision and connect people to what their part in that vision is. Because um, working with several churches, building partnership between the churches and connecting people to resources, whether that be other people in our association or outside. I think that's a, mm-hmm. a strength. Organization, kind of similar.
1: Okay, very good.
0: Sincere love, personal, and very
1: steady. Good strength. Somebody else? Listening. Listening.
0: A bit this, I put this hat on because I found this out when I was there. I was a leader in Vietnam and the ability uh, getting uh, getting ordinary people, just ordinary people, to do extraordinary things. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the reason why I'm alive, because we all work together and mm-hmm. DC
1: there's some folk from the inner cities, some of them uneducated or what have you, regular guys like mm-hmm. to get them to do some stuff that yeah. they might not otherwise do in life. But you got to do that. All alive. But right. thank you for your service. Oh yeah, appreciate it, yeah, I still haven't learned that in learn that Vietnam. That's great. great. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate your service. Here. Yeah, yeah. Get out something
0: like that in church. Oh, yeah. oh. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. For my
1: purpose over yeah. there. Anybody else? How about a weakness?
0: You talk about listening well. Mm-hmm. I don't always do that. Um, I don't. I may listen and pray for somebody regarding a personal issue, but maybe later when I see them, not necessarily remember. Not real good about that follow-up thing, and um, I am not a great delegator. I'm better than I used to be. <laughs> You're learning. Certainly not where I need to be because I need things to be a certain way, mm-hmm. and uh, so although I can be an, I can administrate things, sometimes giving over the control to somebody else that may not do it
1: the way I do it. Well, it's like teaching the kids ride a bicycle or something. you got to learn to do it. Yeah. I, mean, I was a horrible leader when my daughter was five. She wanted her training wheels off. Well, I took her to the New Hope Baptist Church parking lot. huge parking lot. There's one light pole in that parking lot. And we're up on a Saturday morning. Carmen, you can drive all over this parking lot. No cars are here. Just don't hit that light pole. Why did I point that out to her? What she do? She got a little helmet on. She's pedaling and she's going straight to the light pole. And I'm yelling, "Turn, turn, turn!" And she hit the light pole. I'm running up. She's crying. She gets up and says, "You made me hit the light pole." No, but I did because I pointed it out. I drew all of her focus from that big parking lot to that one light pole. I'm thinking, if I made you do it again and say go hit that pole, you'd never be able to get there. Well, that you know, five year old riding around with the trying to control the, the steering wheel. We, we sometimes steer people the wrong way. We point out the wrong thing to them. Uh, something I have learned: it's great when you pray with somebody. You get in your car and you send them a text. Enjoy praying with you. I get more comments from that. Thank you. Now it's only been 15 minutes. But it tells people I remembered it. Oh, it just really impacts people, just to take the time to do that. Now I'm a, I'm a handwriting card fanatic, and I have horrible penmanship, but people like my cards. I have a birthday card. It's got a funny picture of me. It's a cartoon of me holding a birthday cake. and it's a, you know just a funny little thing, and I've done about 10 of them over the years, and I'll use them for two or three years, and then I get another one. But, but I always keep my drawing of me in the card. For one thing, I look very slim in it because it, it was done a <laughs> long time ago. Uh, but uh, I tell people. That's how I see myself. Um, but if you're a Bible study leader in my church, preschool through senior adults, or you're a staff member, you're going to get a handwritten birthday card from me. How do I do it? I have one of our ladies at the office. She pulls them up by month, all leadership. She puts their address down. And she writes a little number in the corner, 1 to 31. I know that number means that's the day of their birthday. She bundles them up in order in a rubber band and puts them on my desk. Every morning, I'm looking ahead, three to four days out. Take a moment. Praying for you as you lead, invest in others at Midway Church. I love you. Barry. woo That shows leadership because I'm making their birthday a special day. I'm showing that they are a special person. We're a big church, we run a couple of thousand people. It takes discipline to do that in the mornings. And I pray for them as I do their card. It really impacts people. I get calls all the time, thank you for doing that. Oh, it's so nice that you were a part. I've gone in homes and I see my birthday card on a bookshelf, you know. I, last year I walked into an attorney's office that goes to our church and, you know, very dignified attorney's office. And there's my birthday card on the shelf. It's the only card on the shelf. I said, what's that? He said, well, it's kind of funny looking at you in that cartoon. And, but he said, just put it there. It opens up a lot of conversations with people. I went, really? Well, Stephen, I didn't know that. Personal touch. Not great leadership. Just simple, loving leadership. Okay, let me ask you this question. If a word were misspelled in the dictionary, how would you know? How would you know? Pointed out. Who made the dictionary the ultimate authority? I
0: guess group. It's the how a yeah. word is spelled by the majority of people. I, mm-hmm.
1: which I remember in the 6th grade, 5th uh, grade, I guess it was, a spelling test trying to argue with my teacher. Just because the dictionary spells it that way, that doesn't mean it's right. Mm. I didn't get anywhere with that, of course, but now I tried. <laughs> you know, but we, we let the dictionary become the authority on spelling. Why does our society have trouble with the fact that the Word of God is the ultimate authority? We have people who question the Word of God, but they won't question the dictionary. Just something to ponder. You're trying to get people to think? That's just a think question. Uh, you, you're trying to get people to, in a leadership meeting you want to train? Ask them something like that where they have to think. Because <laughs> uh, they've come in from work. They're busy. You ask them a question like that, they, you engage their mind. Then you can start teaching them what you want to do. There's another one. is, uh, If the number two pencil's the most popular, why is it still number two? Okay. Just anything like that, when you're trying to lead, you've got to get people's attention. If you can get their attention, then you can actually lead them. Don, can you help me with this handout here? Thank you, sir. Purple sheet. Royal. Actually, it's just the color paper I had available. <laughs> We're going to talk about my definition that I like the best of leadership. John Maxwell says, it's not down here on this, John Maxwell says, leadership is influence. And I fully agree with John on that. It is influence. But how do you teach influence? I don't know how to do that. I agree that leadership is influence, but I don't know how to teach influence. I like this definition by Bob Beale. It's in his book, 30 Days to Confident Leadership. Uh, Bob is a Christian, but he's not a pastor. He writes leadership books for Fortune 500 companies. And my wife was taking a, working on her master's in human resource development, and she brought this book home to me and said, I think you'd like it. Whoa, wealth of knowledge. But he says leadership is knowing what to do next, knowing why that's important, and knowing how to bring appropriate resources to bear on the need at hand. I can teach that. I can raise up leaders by saying, okay, let's learn what to do next. And let's identify why that's an important thing for us to do. And let me help put together the resources to accomplish that need. I can teach that. A key thing we need to remember is at the bottom of that, about motivational principles, you cannot motivate other people. You can inspire, but you can't motivate them. They have to be motivated by themselves to get up in the morning and go to work. Have you ever tried to help a lazy person? Oh, isn't that frustrating? I mm-hmm. don't I to get out of bed. I don't want to get off the sofa. It's hard to deal with someone that's not motivated to move. Some of my kids. Yeah. 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 that. Child. Yeah, especially if young child. Yeah. But they're going to play basketball run up and down the court, but they won't push a lot more. Yeah. Uh, or even ride it. Ride it. I remember my, my daughter was taking horseback riding lessons when she was nine and ten and she would not get up early every Saturday morning, Daddy Day, we gotta go. I gotta help Miss Stephanie clean out the stalls. <laughs> clean up your bathroom. It's gross. <laughs> what? I said, no. So it became you have to clean up your bathroom before you can go clean out the stalls. It motivated her. Thought it was weird. I said, she's your daughter to my wife. <laughs> Okay. Uh, third, people do things for their reasons, not your reasons. You may think this is going to be a great deacon, <clears throat> or a great Bible teacher, or a great usher, or whatever. doesn't matter if you've got to get them motivated to want to do it by having them see their value as a greeter, or an usher, or a teacher. they got to have it for their reason. That's what gets them there every week to lead. A person's strengths overused may become their weakness. Now, leaders, you're all leaders in your church, or you will be sitting in this room. Do you find that your strengths sometimes become a weakness because you overuse them? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Be careful of that. You become overconfident in your abilities. Right. Sometimes, you know. Mm -hmm. we, We forget that,
0: honestly, it's. God's strength,
1: not ours. But yeah, he has a way of humbling us when we get that way, too. It can also...
0: It means that we tend to do the stuff that we really enjoy doing that we're good at, and mm-hmm. the rest of the stuff doesn't get done. Yeah, that's unfortunate. It can also get in the way of delegating. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, you might be stronger doing something, but because you, you keep doing it, other people who could have been getting trained in it, or mm-hmm. you could be delegated, they don't get the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So you're just overdoing it, you're not delegating. Yeah, you fail at discipleship because... You're not equipping somebody else to do the work that right.
1: they're capable of mm-hmm. Yeah. You've taken uh, Ephesians 4, 11 out of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and They may not do it on an A level, but maybe it's a B level.
0: Right. Uh, be uh, the hardest part, to have yeah. something drop down to a C level in mm-hmm. the church. But
1: you can't do it all. No. You just give it time. No, no I, was, I was a trustee at, at Truett McConnell for 15 years and then, then this Board of Visitors, because Dr. Kennan, when he came there, he created this Board of Visitors. We have no authority, no power. We meet twice a year. We raise money and we introduce the school to students. Our pay is we get lunch and we go to the campus. Uh, it's an investment in the school. There's 70 of us. We're all either alumni or we're former trustees who have a passion for the school. And he said, I want you to be chairman of this for a couple of years. It's been eight, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I have a good time. It's a good investment uh, to make. It motivates me to want to invest in a school that meant a lot to me. It hit my age because I wasn't prepared really to go off to college academically and stuff. So and it, it, it got me there. It got me spiritually kind of where I needed to be. But um, when we made a presidential change at one time, I was there for three different presidents as a trustee. Uh, A guest speaker came for the big ceremony, and he turned to one of the presidents and said, be really good to your A students, for they will write books. Some will come back and be professors. Be really good to your B students. They will tell people about the school and recruit students for you. Be really good to your C students because they're the ones that are going to build you a football stadium or library because they know how to go out and work. <laughs> and I thought, mm-hmm. gave me a whole different perspective on those grades, you know. Going,
0: oh, yeah.
1: And uh, because as a trustee, I've been involved in a lot of fundraising. When you do a lot of that, you, the people that you know with money begin to not return your calls because they always know you're trying to get something from them. But uh, I began to realize some of our biggest donors probably were not A students. But they've done extremely well in their fields, and then they bless because they're the ones who can write hundred thousand dollars and million dollar checks. Wow, gives you a little different perspective on it. David Letterman has a scholarship to Ball State University, which is
0: where he graduated from, and you cannot apply for that scholarship unless if your GPA is over a C in high school. Mm. Wow, because he was a C student.
1: Well, after I was no longer a student at Truett, there was a a guy that was there, his name is Xavier Roberts. Uh, He's from White County, where Truett McConnell is, and a lady years ago had set up a scholarship for books and tuition for one boy and one girl from White County High School, because she felt like if there's a college in the county, and you had to be underprivileged as far as financial uh, level to it to be able to go. And Xavier got it one year and they were on the quarter system back then, not the semester systems they are now, but quarter system, he had an art class. He had to create some art. I well, he was pretty poor. He was the youngest of like nine kids, and um, so he took scrap materials and he, he made six ugly, ugly dolls. And uh, he got his grade, and he thought, well, I wonder if I can sell these things. For anybody. So he goes to the White County Paul Festival that I do every October. He's there on Saturday. He puts his six ugly dolls on a card table and nobody paid any attention to them. But Saturday night, he went home, got the playpen, high chair, tricycle out, had a notepad. He's gonna sell those dolls for $25. He called them cabbage patch dolls. He had a stroke of genius. He certainly had a crowd, and rather than sell any of them, he just took orders and said it'll be $30. $5 to ship it. So he got all these orders over the next three weekends. So he gets his mom and his sisters and they start making these ugly dolls. Got ready to ship them. Well, first of all, to, to get the money, he had none. And he went to the White County Bank and they wouldn't loan him anything because he was just a student. He didn't have a job. So he took out one of those student credit cards. Bought the material. His mom and sisters started making the dolls with him. They got ready to ship them and he decided... I'm going to sign their butts. Those dolls are all worth $5,000 a piece now that he autographed. Mm-hmm. He loves to tell the story because he's now on the board of directors of White County Bank that we can give him a loan. Mm-hmm. He never went back to college. Mm-hmm. never went back to college and at 24 sold the rights to that to Coleco for $55 million. Is mm-hmm. he a leader? You had a lead in that particular product. Wow. And he's been generous to the school of these. Flip over on the back side of that. Uh, you've heard these before, but if you're going to raise leaders, I think they're the best questions to uh, to really struggle with in your mind. You've heard the question, uh, what, when, what, why, when, who, how, where, how much? Sometimes referred to as the six trusted men that uh, Ruffin Kipling designed uh, these questions when he put it together. Together journalistically to say you need to ask these questions to make wise decisions. You want to be a leader? You want to train up other up leaders? You get a couple of people with you, or twenty people, I don't care, and you start wrestling with this question. You you identify a need in your church or your class, and you get three or four or twenty, whatever, and you say, Let's wrestle with these questions about this issue. Let's deal with a what. What are we trying to do? Why are we trying to do it? When are we going to do it? Who's going to be there to do it? How are we going to be there? Where's it going to be there? And, of course, you've got to have some member of the finance committee who's going to say, how much is that going to cost? Okay, he talks about that as to what, what you're, you're going to do. You start with a what. Can you state in just a sentence what the situation is you want to think through today? You've got an issue with your church. Maybe a problem in the preschool. Maybe a problem with the youth. Maybe the choir. Maybe you got a lady in the choir who wants to sing and used to sing, but can no longer sing, and she doesn't know it.
0: Delegate that
1: problem. Yeah, you delegate that problem. Uh, you you have a flower committee, and they've decided that the flowers are the centerpiece of worship. I had to deal with that in Alabama. These ladies were retired florists. They would make these elaborate arrangements and put on the table in front. We had a short pastor. He could get lost behind the flower arrangements. He said, I can't handle this. And a couple of times they had these one little twigs that they do way up high. And we had our service on TV and it looked like the stick was going in his nose. I mean, it was, you know, had to deal with that. So the minister of worship moved him. Now his mistake was he didn't ask. He just moved him. Because he had arranged to have six little ballet students. We had a school of performing arts. And they were going to do an interpretive dance to the choir. So he moved the pulpit. He moved the flowers so he could see. Everybody thought it was wonderful. All those parents and grandparents loved it. But those ladies, woo! you would have thought we said Jesus wore pink underwear or something on the cross. I mean, they were all. (laughs) And service was starting. I said, ladies, what's the problem? He moved our flowers. It's all about God. He moved our flowers. I said, well, we can go to my office right now. Oh, y'all calm down, sit down, and we'll talk about it tomorrow. So they sit down. I know they didn't worship God because their whole body language is like, oh, gosh, what am I going to deal with? So uh, after service, I grabbed them all and said, okay, what time can y'all be here tomorrow? He said, we'll be here at 10 o'clock, and we've got some things to say. Lovely. So the next morning, I got the minister of worship got his assistant who worked with him. and said, I need y'all to be in the meeting. His assistant began to cry and say, oh, don't make me sit with those women. They're so mean. I went, what do you mean they're mean? They're rude about anything I tell them. If we're doing something different in the service, I just don't want to do it. I went, you got to come to this meeting. it be the last time you ever speak to them. He said, good. I went down to the pastor's office. Got his assistant, Susie. Needs to come to this meeting. And after this meeting, you will be the voice the minister of worship will speak through to tell these ladies what's going on why me i told her myself they're making vicky cry they're making vicky cry she's my friend and she was all upset well i still don't understand i said susie your mama's one of them hmm. oh, i'm so embarrassed i said and you're the only one that can deal with it yes i know my mama i know her friends i'll deal with it Susie's in the meeting Well, see because she was in the meeting i said susie will now be the one to communicate you. well her mama jenny she wasn't going to attack susie and she looked at those other ladies like, y'all better not say anything negative about my group. See, it changed everything. I divided their group. Because Jenny was going to protect her daughter. But in the meeting, one of them Mildred said, well, Barry, the flowers are the centerpiece of worship. And the, the, I, I couldn't handle the theology. And I stood up <laughs> and walked around and put my hand on, on her shoulder and said, let's pray. Lord, Mildred has just said an abomination and I want to, on her behalf, ask forgiveness. Because she has committed adultery of making those flowers the centerpiece of worship. And only you, Lord Jesus, are the centerpiece of worship. So please forgive, Mildred. Come mm-hmm. And she said, do you think I sinned? I went, yes, ma'am, you did. You did. Nothing can be in front of Jesus. Well, they, they make everybody think of heaven. How? <laughs> they point everyone's eyes upward. I went... They're dead flowers. Y'all cut them. They're dying. We throw them in the dumpster on Thursday. You do not. Yeah. We leave them sitting out through Wednesday night, and then we throw them away. We don't want that. I said, well, why don't y'all come up on Wednesday when they're still kind of fresh and break them up and take them to shut-ins? And they did. Mm -hmm. Now, the minister of worship, who had been there eight years prior to that, said, Barry, you have just dealt with the biggest pain I've dealt with in all these years here. Now, was I a great leader? No. But I brought them together and I knew we had to deal with what the situation was and what the reality is and the fact that worship is more than those flowers at the altar. you got a problem bringing people with you. Now, would I have survived if I'd gone to meet with those six ladies by myself? No. They would have destroyed me and my reputation in the church. But I had the minister of worship there, I had his assistant there, and I had the pastor's assistant there who is the child of one of those women. Changed all the dynamics. You got a problem as a leader, pull together the right people you need in that meeting. Deacons meetings can be notoriously bad if they get to griping about something. And trying to deal with a group of deacons is difficult. Trying to deal with a small group of deacons is much easier. You get the one or two that are a problem and have a conversation with them. I heard a man that was a big mentor in my life say, if you've got voices in your church that are negative against you, start taking them to lunch or breakfast one at a time. Don't take them as a group. They'll gang up on you. But just take them one-on-one and don't talk about the issue with them. Talk about who they are. What's going on in your life? What can I pray about? It changes somebody that's griping and grumbling to a. We realize, well, you care. You start doing that. You go through about five or six of them. You're bringing them on their side, your side. But you can't do it as a group. You have to do it one on one. Leadership requires some one on one attention. Okay. Look over to the right because I don't want to read through all this. You can. I'm giving it to you to take home. The the box on the right. What's missing? I want to look at these bullets because these are key. What missing information is making it difficult for you to get a clear understanding of the situation? If you want to raise up leaders, get them to help you identify the problem. You may already know the problem. And you can tell them the problem, and they, they don't want that. They want to go through the process. Help them identify the problem. You guide the discussion. What facts do you need to gather to help you see it more clearly? Well, we've always done it that way. Yes. I went to a church once, and they had always had the same three men and two ladies count the offering. They came in on Monday morning. But the offering would be collected on Sunday morning, and these three guys would get in a car, and they'd go to the bank putting a night deposit. Monday morning, they'd go to the bank. They'd get it. They'd come back. We'd have coffee ready. They and two ladies would join them, and they'd count the money. That was great until they're all 85 years old and older. And we weren't getting accurate counts. And uh, I said, well, I want to bring breakfast in. So I brought in sausage biscuits and some pastries and juice and coffee. And So they were counting. I said, I just want to appreciate you. Y'all have been counting money for, I understand, here forever. But you know, someday, some of you aren't going to be here. And we've got to raise up younger people to understand how to count and how important this is oh yeah we need, we need to do that and i turned to earl and said you know earl in your day i bet you could handle somebody but what would happen now if somebody grabbed you because y'all put it in a paper bag anybody's walking around knows our system you put the money bag in a paper bag you go to the bank you pick <laughs> it up on monday and uh, you, know, you and bill and tom are there but earl what would happen if somebody one to rob y'all. He said, well, they'd probably get it. Oh yeah, that's not good. I got a proposal. I, I want to, uh, we hire a policeman to help direct traffic. I want him to be in both services at the offering time. And I want one of you guys, all of you won't, but at least one of you, to ride with him to the bank and let him put the, because nobody's going to mess with him. He's got a gun. Well, I like that idea. I said, now, um, y'all can still pick it up on Monday, I don't want you to pick it up in the same paper bag. I don't want you to pick it up at the same time. And I don't want you to drive the same way. Well, yeah, we can do that. We can move it around. And here's where we need to get some younger guys. And, uh, you know, sometimes on Monday morning, it's really cold and rainy. And you guys are a little slow. How about if we get some, you know, younger guys that are like 65 who just retired? (laughs) And let them get it on those cold days. Well, yeah, that'd be good. We'll just come up here and have the coffee ready. I'm, that's great. So it changed that. We we used them as long as they wanted to count. But I had to get some younger eyes looking at the money to run that calculator. So you make the change, but you make those kind of changes by identifying what the issue is and getting them to be a part. Okay. Uh, what is the ideal... In this situation what, what would be the best thing that could happen here well whatever the situation is well you, you know we've got this room and our, our five year olds are booming we need more room but you know the best place for it is where this class is and it's just four ladies now mm-hmm. how do you move those four ladies out of a prime real estate room that's too big for them so that you can make that a preschool room I just had to do that two weeks ago I had to move four adult classes because we've got so many preschoolers, we had to open up a kindergarten wing. And, you know, I don't have any place for them. But we do life groups. That's why we call it Sunday school life groups. We have 30 on Sunday morning, but we have 41 during the week in homes. And now we have 45 and 26. Because I said, you know, we got all these preschoolers. We've got to expand, and we need to take this wing and make it just a kindergarten wing. We're going we're to paint here, we're all this, and think of how many more preschool families we can reach. And, uh, you know, I'd gotten the, the leaders down, and I said, now your daughter and her husband, they have a four year old, right? Yeah. Well, he'll be a kindergarten next year. So how can we turn your room into a room that will be ready for him? Well, hey, as a grandparent, I can tell you, we're, we're going to move. So well, I moved them all off campus. Did it take a long time? Well, that's such a part of our heartbeat, we did it in five days. Most churches couldn't do that that quickly. That's right. But at Midway, we've made it a priority. Kids are number one. Students are number two. Adults are down the road somewhere. You are not the priority for space here. you got homes, you got businesses, we can meet anywhere. True. And they're more than willing, but you have to put it on their level. You've got a grandchild. Then it's no longer you're taking my room away. I'm investing in my grandchild it changes the whole attitude. You lead people to understand what they will benefit from that, or how their children will benefit from that. It changes things. When I was at New York, we had a big choir and orchestra, and but they were doing a lot of Friday night concerts and stuff, and we had an older guy, Charlie. Uh, Charlie was a widower. And you could tell when Martha died because Charlie's outfits often did not go together. But he was there. And he'd come every Friday night. And shake hands and greet teenagers coming in for these big concerts we would have. And one, one Friday night when I saw him doing it, the concert was going in about 50 minutes. I see Charlie headed to his truck. And I went, Charlie, Charlie. I had to get to him and touch him before he stopped. He goes, oh, yeah. Are you okay? You feeling good? Yeah, I'm just going home. Why? He said, well, they're all here now. They all know I love them now. You know, I hate that music. It's too loud. That reason I didn't hear it. I had my hearing aids turned off. But he said, my grandson got saved two years ago at one of these youth concerts. And I don't want him to think that old people don't like them. So I come just to love on them and shake him. Every, all those teenagers knew Mr. Charlie. He came, it, to him, it was a ministry project. That's what he was, he was interested in. So he saw the need. That's that's where we need to go with that. Look on down there. What would my five closest friends advise me to do? Ooh. Now, you really want to start getting serious about things. Ask yourself, what would my cli- five closest friends, not your yes men friends or yes women friends that love you and always going to say whatever they think you need to hear? Close friends that are honest with you, what would they say about the situation you're trying to wrestle with? Well, I don't know. Well, you, I don't know if I have any friends like that. Well, you're not going to be much of a leader if you don't develop some honest friends. And they may not be in your church. They may be at somebody else's church. But that's good because they can be a good sounding board for you. But think, ask. What lingering questions do I have to deal with this situation? If I got a question, let me bounce it off somebody that's not involved. Get their insight. Become wise. Why do people go to a counselor? for different insight. My wife's a professional counselor. People come to her. They pay her money to try and work out problems in their marriage so that they can't communicate about. Why do we go to a dentist rather than just keep brushing our teeth all the time? Because sometimes you can't clean your teeth as well as a dentist can. So go to people that can help. Last one. Compared to what? Well, I like what we're doing. Compared to what? Well, I like how big our church is compared to what? Well, I like my friends and where we sit. I remember going to a church one time and older ladies class had these little doilies on the back of each chair. That's how they took attendance. If they could see the doily, they knew the person wasn't there. They were not open to new people because if you came in, you didn't have a doily. We do some weird things in the church. and We have to just help people realize that that's... Not what we need to be doing. And we need to, uh, to work through that. Let me. Uh, uh, I think there's ground rules. For how to have a healthy class. Or life group. And. We'll uh, give everybody one of these done. Uh, these are the ones we use at our church. We make. Every life group. As opposed to go over these. At least twice a month. In class. We hand them out. Let's, let's go through the ground rules now what you do as a leader is, if you got a problem in your class you're not the one having to lead it by yourself they'll start you're empowering your leaders to help you don't fix it's not your job to fix everybody listen see the definition for that pause it's okay to be quiet if you were in my session this afternoon talked a lot about being quiet and letting the Holy Spirit move is that right Mike? Okay. Silence. It kind of goes with Paul's. In other words, as a leader, shut up. Let God do some work. No crosstalk. Don't you hate it when you're leading a group and somebody's over here having a sideball conversation about the ball game or whatever? Well, we call that crosstalk. And they all know we're not doing it. But see, in my group, I don't have to call two people down. <coughs> I'm going to have somebody over there. They're crosstalking over there, Barry. Everybody laughs. But No, you don't do that. We stay focused. Uh, don't rescue Sometimes you've got somebody in your group and they want to rescue everybody that's got a problem. It's not their job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Use I statements. Talk about yourself, not we, but I. Be self-aware. And then think beyond. Think about who needs to be a part of this group. Now, we have our groups go through this twice a month. We can say you can just pick one or you can go around the room and everybody can say one. But what the goal is to train your group on what a healthy life group should be our Healthy Sunday School class should be. Alright, and if you click on the back, that this is just what is a healthy life group, and you just have our, our uh, ten statements. We go, this is how we train leaders in every adult class and in every student class to start helping lead so the teachers not having to discipline and manage. Now, the key is they got to do it regularly. Not once a year. And some of them joke, the staff that make me do this, you know, we've got to do this twice a week or we get in trouble. Because I say, if you don't want to do it, you don't have to. Just realize we will not pray for you as a leader. You're going to have flat tires all week. You know, we joke about it (laughs) You know. Uh, And uh, (laughs) I did have one leader. He had a flat tire on Monday in his car and one on Thursday in his wife's car. And he said, it was my fault. I didn't do that. And it became a joke that we went through. But I just share that with you. Train, you want to train your leaders, take your whole class and start training them how to have a healthy group. And this is a good way to do it. It's all in in print. You just go through to that. Our church is going to host a conference called the Shift Conference. Midway Church is putting it together. Uh, We have a display up in the fellowship hall. Video, it's really nice. I I work with a lot of millennials. They love doing all that kind of stuff. I don't know how to do it. Don't know how to set it up, but they got it. And we got three guys up there working it this weekend. Uh, They're on our staff. But uh, you can take one of these, uh, and it's got the details, it's going to be in January. We've got Dr. Tom Rainer speaking, Dr. Tim Elmore speaking, and Dr. Todd Wright speaking, and then we're going to have a bunch of breakouts. Uh, so it's, it's a pretty good thing. It's $150 for the conference, though. So. I've got one from earlier.
0: Right
1: See, because it's not coming from cooperative program money like this is. <laughs> See, okay. Now, here's the thing. If you'll write that code number up on the board, on the other board, it says... G-O-G-A-10. Go Georgia 10. If you'll write that in that gold spot, when you go online to register, if you'll put that code in, you get 10% off for everybody you register. We are in the lovely county of Carrollton, 22 miles from the state line in Alabama. Uh, and uh, it's there. People sometimes ask, well, if I have a question, can I call it? Sure. Here's my card. It says like that. Got all my handful in it. Pick up one. Feel free to call me, text me, email me. I prefer email and text. I'll respond to you faster than I will a phone call. Because if I don't know your number, I don't answer. I let go to voicemail. If someone doesn't leave me a voicemail, I don't care if they're calling to tell me their mama died. I'm not. I don't answer numbers that I don't have in my directory. I can't handle spam calls. I have no patience. So, uh, I've got. I don't want to show you that one. Oh. You're going to be a leader. Do something. Lead, follow, or get out of the way. Mm-hmm. Okay? Do something. Lead, follow, or out of the way. If you're going to be a leader, lead. If not, then quit leading, quit trying. Let somebody else do it, they'll get it done. Make sense? Mm-hmm. I'll hang around if somebody wants to ask a question. Don, would you close a little prayer? Mm-hmm. Father, we want to thank you for tonight. Thank you for this session. Lord, we've learned a lot. Father, I just pray now that we,
0: as we leave, I pray that uh, you keep us safe as we travel back to our homes. Uh, May we have a good night's rest. back again tomorrow to learn Mm -hmm. more uh, about how we can sharpen ourselves and our leadership uh, to lead others. Lord, again, thank you for Barry and uh, his expertise. And Lord, as we look at raising leaders, uh, Father, I just pray that... uh, uh, you will show us how we uh, can, can do just that. You know, we just love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: Thank you all for being with me. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.